It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we are having conversations about very important issues out there. Hopefully we're helping you get your brain around these issues so that you can have conversations with your friends, your family, your colleagues. You know, the kids are going to be coming home from college. And so you probably will need to have some significant conversations to push back on all the stuff they have been taught this last couple of semesters. So welcome to the AmeriChicks. We have an amazing show planned for you today. We'll be going through some very important headlines and uh, in the third and fourth segment, we will be talking with Orson Swindle. He, uh, he was a North Vietnam POW for six years and four months. He's a former commissioner with the Federal Trade Commission and a an an former assistant commerce secretary in the Reagan administration. And I want to talk to Orson about what he thinks is going on in America today and what we can do about it. It promises to be an, a, a great conversation. So thank you so much for listening. Indeed, we, uh, we are having conversations about these important events. And want to say thank you to the team, to Steve and Zach, Patty and Keith and Dave. Thank you so much for filling in here and um, being behind the board. I so appreciate it. I love being here. Thanks. Yeah, we're having some great conversations. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and thank you to my listeners. And I, I really appreciate hearing from you. Uh, I got a little behind on emails with the whole Stanford Colorado event, which was a, a very good event that we had a few weeks ago down at the Capitol. And uh, so I am working my way through, and I, I just I love hearing from you. And uh, so I'm working my way through to get back with you. And uh, so you can email me at americhicks uh, forward slash dot Kim. And uh, be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com, and sign up for our emails. Also, check out the StanfordColorado.com web- website. We are uh, putting up the videos of each of the speakers, so one video a day. And uh, each of the speakers spoke about three minutes about one of the important issues out here in Colorado. And uh, so it is a great quick primer to get you up to speed on some of these things that have been happening here in Colorado. Uh, so today, for our inspiration... Uh, Rudyard Kipling, uh, you all, hopefully you know, he uh, lived from, uh, let's see, December, in 1865, he died in 1936. He was an English journalist, a short story writer, poet, and novelist. He was born in India, which inspired much of his work. And he is, uh, he wrote The Jungle Book. Many of you know that. Another book, Kim, which I remember, uh, remember reading. I like the title. And uh, so his quote today This is from Rudyard Kipling. He said, never look backwards or you'll fall down the stairs. So never look backwards or you will fall down the stairs. So, Dave, are you ready for the funnies for this morning? Get it. I've been looking forward to this part. Okay. I have three for you. These have a socialism theme because we hear a lot of that about that out there today. So, Dave, what did socialists use to light their houses before candles? Electricity. <laughs> okay, a socialist and a Marxist and a postmodernist 
walk into a bar and order drinks. And the bartender says, we don't sell alcohol to anyone under the age of 18. Ah. Ooh. Okay. And then the last one. How do you starve a socialist? You hide their food stamps under their work boots. Bada boom. There you go. So we're going to jump into some headlines because these are not very funny. I'm going to start with uh, an opinion piece by Vincent, Vincent Carroll. It was in Complete Colorado. His question was, did Denver just put single-family zoning on the chopping block? He said, did Denver officials just lay the foundation to abolish single-family zoning throughout the city? It sure looks like that, and it's a very big deal. The Blueprint Denver document, which was adopted last month by the city council to provide future guidance for land use policy, is 300 pages and covers a variety of topics. Its overall thrust is clearly toward greatly curtailing or doing away with single-family neighborhoods and will be cited as such by those who wish to do so. But it also includes enough reservations to provide comfort for office holders who either do not wish to acknowledge that goal or do not actually seek it. And what becomes a drumbeat? The blueprint repeatedly argues in favor of increasing housing options and choice in every neighborhood. And that means what in practice? They say we need to diversify housing options by exploring opportunities to integrate missing middle housing into low and low medium residential areas. The missing middle includes duplexes, fourplexes, row homes, townhomes, and cottage housing, especially on lots on corners near transit and and or adjacent to centers or corridors. And it proposes the expansion of accessory dwelling units throughout all residential areas. The blueprint later adds another wrinkle for neighborhoods it calls suburban and urban edge. For these, it says accessory dwelling units and compatible two-unit uses are appropriate. Dave, I find this absolutely astonishing. I read a book that was like that. It's called Brave New World. (laughs) It's all about everyone living in little apartments. Well, you can see that that is what is, uh, that's being implemented right here in Denver. And when we had Karen Levine on earlier this week, she said that a significant cost to building single-family houses is rules and regulations. So you see, on one hand, using rules and regulations that's pricing young people out of their own homes. And then you're seeing uh, that they're using, again, rules and regulations and zoning to push people into homes that are not single-family homes, taking away people's choices. And they're using public, public policy to do that. So they're making it more expensive. And they're also trying to force people into, you know, a certain style of home. If people want to live there, you know, in those housing situations, that's fine. But to be using public policy to do this, this is antithetical to the American idea. I don't know if you know this, but California just recently passed legislation that was exactly like this, where no more single-family home zoning is allowed in the entire state, at least for now, which I think is crazy. You know, and, but what's so interesting, though, is these elites, uh, they, they don't always abide by that. You know, they're certainly making enough money off of the, the taxpayer as they are pushing for these bureaucrats and politicians and, and consultants and activists. They're making money off of everyday hardworking people. And they may not be, you know, they're not going to typically live in these uh, 
you know, smaller units. They're going to be the ones in the bigger houses. And I talked a little bit about it, yes, or when I was with, uh, when Karen was on. Now, she's a, a realtor with REMAX Alliance, and she's doing such great work uh, to protect private property rights, which that is inherent in the American idea, the idea that people can own property instead of, you know, being pushed into rentals, uh, two-plexes, four-plexes. The idea that you can own property is one of the things that's made the American idea so successful. And it's not be, I mean, America has m- amazing resources. That's true. But so does Venezuela. And Venezuela, people are starving now, and it's because of public policy. And we are seeing the same kind of thing happen here. But then they talk out of two sides of of their mouth. Uh, The next thing, another thing they have is um, Denver now has a new 20-year plan for parks and recreation, and they imagine a greener future and more trees, please. This was out of the Denverite. The Denver City Council on Monday unanimously approved Game Plan for a Healthy City, a two-decade vision for where and how people exercise and experience nature after three years of public meetings and strategizing. Here are some differences between today's Denver and the Denver of 2040, should city government deliver this utopia. The Game Plan has way more wishes and recommendations than these, but here are some big ones. On parks... About 86% of Denverites live within a 10-minute walk of a park, which is good compared to most cities. But the game plan aims for 100%. So how are you going to get that additional land for these parks so that people are within a 10-minute walk to the park? How about, how about I could have my own park in my backyard if I had a single-family home? What do you think about that? Right, that's how my house is. I, I kind of like that. And you know your kids are safe. When they go out in the backyard and play in the sandbox or they uh, are on their own personal uh, swing set, you know they're safe in their backyard. You know, if you go to the park, you know, you have to sit there. And, and, and I did that with my kids as well, but I also love having the backyard where the kids could go out and run and play and I didn't have to worry about them. You know, I saw something on Twitter that you just reminded me of, and I, I got it right here. But it's, it says, Camilla Harris owns a gun, but she doesn't want you to. Bernie Sanders makes millions, but he doesn't want you to. Ocasio-Cortez flies on planes, but she doesn't <laughs> want you to. Obama picks his own doctors, but he doesn't want you to. Maybe there's a pattern I think developing. there's a theme happening there. And uh, I actually would like everybody to get to have all those choices that you just mentioned. Me and you, too. Okay? Okay, I'm going to get through just a little bit more. Another thing on this uh, 20-year plan for parks and recreation They say Denver has fewer shade trees than most other major cities, according to Game Plan, with just 13% of the city covered by trees. In the last six years, Denver has removed more trees than it has planted, and one in six trees is threatened by the emerald ash borer beetle. By 2040, officials want a tree canopy over 20% of the city, a relatively low goal. Austin, which they're also out of their minds, is working on 40%, and Phoenix is aiming at 25%. Now, Dave, back in the 1900s, Denver, I mean, we, we actually are in the High Plains Desert. This is a desert here. So we didn't have all these trees. There are more trees here than they were, there were at the uh, uh, you know, beginning of the 1900s. So, you know, they're, again, they're using these different goals. You know, how are they going to get to that, which is related to the next thing? So you're going to have to water these trees, right? 
Okay, so last thing, and then we'll, we'll go to break here. Another one of their plans is energy, energy cons- conservation. The city spends about $3 million a year watering parks, which is good for about 12% of parks and uh, recreation's budget. The game plan calls for a 25% reduction in energy use at all of its parks and recreation centers. So hold on just a second, Dave. We're, we're going we're gonna to have more parks. We're going to have more trees, which that requires more water, but yet we're going to reduce the water. I mean, energy. I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it sounds good all around. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, but let's talk about something good, and that is the Rockies. You know they had a day off? Well, yesterday, 5-0 over the Pirates. So they're going to complete, let's see, they played a day at 5-0-5 uh, with the Pirates again tomorrow, and then they come home, and they're going to play the Oreos. And, Dave, you know where my... Sports headquarters is it is Hooters Restaurants. It is the place to watch all those games Wednesdays, Wing Day today. So all the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine. The smoked wings are delicious, and they're only half the calories. So tonight the girls are coming over, and so I'm going to be ordering Hooters wings. They're going to deliver them right to my front door. I normally go through Grubhub for that, and uh, so you know, stop by, pick your wings up, and take them home. You can ha- have them delivered right to your front door. Or you can watch all the games over at the restaurant. So for more information, check out HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, more headlines. And then in segments three and four, Orson Swindle. You won't want to miss that conversation. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank qualified listeners, veterans listening to veterans, brought to you by Dan Brooke and Cheryl Tootin in Centennial. In Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Colorado Custom Services, promotional products, embroidery, engraving, and more. Thank you for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, We're going to go through some more headlines here in this segment and then segment three and four. Uh, Great conversation with Orson Swindle. He was a a POW in North Vietnam for six years and four months. He's a former commissioner with the Federal Trade Commission and was a former assistant commerce secretary with the Reagan administration. We'll be talking about what's going on in in America today and what we can do about that. 
But next headline that I'd like to bring to your attention, this is uh, from CPR. Uh, It says, when the Trump administration enacts new health care religious freedom rule, uh, Phil Weiser, our attorney general, is going to sue to stop that. Now, my friends, do you see a theme here? It is freedom versus force. Uh, These elites think that they have a vision for how we should live our lives. And they also have a vision on what we are supposed to do. And religious freedom is inherent uh, in in the American idea that we we not only have uh, property rights with you know the tangible things, but also the intangible things, and once again you see these activists, these radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party. This is no longer the Democrat Party of JFK or for your grandma or of your parents. This is a radical group of people that believe that they know better how you should live your life than than you do, and they are using all kinds of, of uh, frilly words to w- take away your freedoms and uh, your rights. But this one is, there's no frilly words in this particular one. Uh, that is, let me get right to it here. It says, Colorado will again sue the Trump administration, this time to challenge an impending rule that aims, and the rule is to aim to protect health care workers who object to performing certain services on grounds of religion or conscience. So what Trump said to people is if, if there is something in your profession that, you know, because of what you believe or you think that it's wrong, then you don't have to do that. And Phil Weiser, our attorney general, is going to sue to stop that. My friends, this is very, very dangerous. This is very, very scary. Now, Weiser told Colorado Matters that he's suing because the new rule is overbroad and it could hurt patients. But if the state does not enforce the rule, the federal government could withhold $6.5 billion earmarked for Colorado health care. So, Phil Weiser, it seems to me that uh, perhaps you might want that $6.5 billion. That probably helps a whole lot more people than you suing the Trump administration on this. Dave, what do you think? I mean, I think that I was reading that. There was only 400 documented cases of the measles last year, which, I mean, yes, the measles, it's kind of seems like we should be able to get rid of it. However, wide sleep, sweeping legislation forcing people to not to get inoculations against the measles seems overreaching. Okay. So on that particular point, that, and you're talking about the forced, vac, uh, forced vaccination, uh, uh, it was legislation. It was not passed, but it'll probably be back in an even worse form this next uh, next time around. I was with a bunch of uh, people last night. We were talking about this forced vaccination bill, and they were calling it uh, a forced injection sites. You know, <laughs> But I was in a conversation with a woman. There, I, ultimately, I, I, I think that people believe that vaccinating kids against childhood diseases, you know, I think that's a good idea. The question, again, is freedom versus force. But what you have seen with these radical activists that, again, have taken over the statehouse here and the governorship is that they take something that we think is a good idea. And then what they do is they just run off with it and wrap all kinds of force and power in it. And then they come back to this narrative where we're talking about, you know, vaccine or anti-vaccine. And uh, when we uh, be sure and watch for Stanford, Colorado, because 
Heather Laudenpera, who was our speaker on these forced vaccinations, she said this is not vax versus anti-vax. It's not pro-vax versus anti-vax. This is like informed, that parents have the right to be informed about what they're going to be putting into their child's body, you know, what is in those vaccinations, uh, can, can they have a choice on possibly, uh, and, and this law would not, or this legislation would not, not let them do that, but could they, um, you, know, not, you know, be on an extended schedule on vaccinating their children? And so you have to look at this. You have to say freedom versus force. And then the other thing, let's, let's wrap this around just a little bit more, is these people hiding behind the forced vaccinations are saying they want to do that because they care about kids. Okay, that's that's Phil Weiser. You know, that's that's these people that we got elected. We want to force you to do this because we care about kids. But yet, on the other hand, look what he just did. He is suing the Trump administration because uh, the Trump administration wants to say to people, if you don't feel for religious reasons or because your conscience says it's not right. You know, let's just say we're talking about abortion here. Okay, if you feel that that is not something that you, you know, want to do, then you should have the freedom to say no. And Phil Weiser wants to say you have to do it. Again, freedom versus force. But, you know, we're continuing to learn more about abortion. It is no longer that lie that Planned Parenthood has told thousands and thousands and thousands of women when they are encouraging them to get these abortions. They're saying it's just a little bit of tissue. You know, we are learning that it is not. And the young generation is becoming more and more pro-life because they've seen that ultrasound picture of their little brother or sister on the refrigerator. You know, we've talked about this before, too. There's wider implications as far as the vaccines go, too, because if we're forced to make vaccines, the vaccine companies will only give us one vaccine. If we all have a choice, they're going to keep working to improve them and make them better. You sound like a free market guy, Dave. (laughs) Imagine that. And that's absolutely true. And if you're forced and there is no accountability, there is also immunity to big pharma if for some reason something goes wrong with the vaccination. So it takes out all the incentive, as you mentioned, for research and development to make something better. So, uh, my friends, we need to be talking with our, our neighbors and our colleagues about these important issues. Let's see. There's... oh. A couple of other things we'll jump in here very quickly. Um, HUD, Housing uh, Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson, explains a plan to strip illegal Im- immigrants of public housing aid. Now, wait a minute. I thought that the far left again said that we are not funding health care and housing for illegal immigrants. But apparently we have been doing so. And so on Tuesday, Secretary Ben Carson explained on Tucker Carlson the reasons behind a proposed rule change that would strip illegal immigrants of public housing aid. Section 214 of the Housing and Community Development Act states that the Secretary of HUD is prohibited from providing housing assistance to people who are in the country illegally. And what people sometimes don't understand is that we have millions of legal Americans in line waiting for these very scarce resources, Carson said. Carson faced harsh criticism from Democrats on Tuesday as he fielded questions over the policy at a Capitol Hill hearing. The policy was first passed into law in 1980, and it states that most non-citizens are prohibited from applying for and obtaining federal financial housing assistance. And uh, it seems to make sense to me. Good for for uh, Ben Carson 
for enforcing this law. So, so uh, we are going to uh, go to break here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, we have Jason McBride on the line. Jason, what is on your mind today? Well, I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about, Kim, a few of the sectors in the market that have done well so far this year and maybe which ones are trailing behind a little bit. Okay. Which ones? You know, so that way, you know, you can get an idea maybe what where you could get a bargain. Uh, sometimes the bargain isn't the best place to search. Uh, a lot of people like to go after the hot sector, but... Um, I'll just kind of give the info and let the listeners decide what uh, style of investor they are. Okay. Uh, freedom, right? I like so, it. So this year, um, out of the major sectors in, in the U.S. markets, actually health care is the one that's trailing behind the worst. It's only up about 4% this year as an overall group. Uh, some of the stocks that are in there, the, the biggest ones are like Johnson & Johnson, uh, you've got Pfizer in there, uh, a lot of very recognizable, uh, you know, big uh, health care companies. Let me see if there's another one or two I could mention. Uh, five, yeah, Merck, United Health. So, uh, yeah, health is, has lagged behind a little bit. I don't know if that's because of concerns about not letting the drug prices be too high. But uh, certainly, that, that's an area that hasn't moved, and yeah, you might expect it to, because health care is usually going up, isn't it? Kim? Right. Well, at least it seems like the costs are. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. And, uh, you know, not surprisingly, again, so far this year, uh, technology, uh, you know, high-growth type of uh, sectors are doing the best. Now, they also got beat up a little bit last year, so part of that is just a... A uh, little bit of a comeback, and, and you know, lot, most people are familiar with the names that drive those groups. So that's kind of our slowest uh, and and fastest sectors. And then just one more interesting thing for the whole year: almost every country out there, their markets are up for the year. Yes, even China, although ours is up more than theirs. The one uh, foreign market that's down for the year is Malaysia. Interesting. Why? That's why it's called Malaysia, because their markets have Malays right now. <laughs> oh, Jason McBride, you have to get up pretty early in the morning to get ahead of you. You know it? <laughs> well, you get up earlier than I do, so what does that tell you? I guess. Well, it says I have to get up real early to get stay ahead of you. So, <laughs> Jason McBride, I so appreciate all the care that you take in informing our our listeners about this. So thank you so much. And you can get more information at chickspresidential.com. That is chickspresidential.com. And the phone number over there is 303-694-1600. And uh, you guys can help out everybody with their own personal economic well-being. That's right, Kim. Okay. Have a great day, Jason. Okay. Thanks. Have a great show. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you tomorrow. We will be right back with Orson Swindle. You will not want to miss this conversation. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. 
organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And I'm thrilled to have a conversation with Orson Swindle. He is a decorated Vietnam War prisoner of war, was a commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission from 1997 to 2005, and he had previously served as Assistant Secretary of Commerce during the Reagan administration. Now, Orson, you have quite a story. Uh, You were a Marine uh, fighter pilot, and you were shot down over North Vietnam. And one of the things that I learned uh, is that when you uh, went off to war, your son was five years old. And when you returned six years, four months later, he was 11. When I tell people that, it takes their breath away. Yeah, Kim, he had actually had just turned four. Uh, I I left for Vietnam the last week of uh, January of 66. And he uh, turned four the end of December. And when I got home, he had just turned 11. So over seven years uh, without contact with him, which uh, is hard to comprehend for me. <laughs> that is really hard to comprehend. And I'm excited, Orson, that we will be playing the, the interview that I had with you uh, regarding your Vietnamese or your Vietnam experience, and that will be playing on Memorial Day. Uh, so be sure and listen in for that amazing story. But what I wanted to talk with you about today is you've had an immense experience in government, uh, being with the Federal Trade Commission and also in the uh, Assistant Secretary of Commerce. And how would you say that things are different today than when you were serving in the Federal Trade Commission and in the uh, 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 Secretary of Commerce? Well, you know, I think of it a lot, to be perfectly honest. I uh, was not initially a President Trump supporter, and uh, I've come to appreciate what he is trying to accomplish because I started off in government in 1981, I believe it was, and uh, I got to experience some of the worst of government, uh, financial management-wise and policy-wise in in a lot of respects, and uh, I knew that in order to change things, major changes had to be made. It had to be, I'll use the expression that's probably not too too wide, but I felt that somebody's got to blow this thing up and start over again, and I don't mean that literally, but Mm -hmm. just we've got to disrupt the way business is conducted in Washington. I had the good privilege of working for President Reagan, and he tried diligently. In fact, I would say nobody's really given him much of an effort since Reagan until uh, President Trump came along. And I think if I had to describe it, I would just say the process of a bureaucracy moves very slowly. Uh, it can be corrupted. I think we have major corruption within our government even today, and it's probably worse than it was back in the 1980s. And uh, 
the sad thing is that neither party is really, and I do mean this, really committed to changing things to make it work better. Uh, they literally stay in the middle of the highway. They bounce off the sides when they're debating issues and disagreeing with one another, but they don't disagree all that uh, vigorously. And as a result, we just sort of stay in the middle of the road, keep on doing what we're doing, because those people that are in government, in Congress, and those who are inside the beltway of Washington, D.C., I don't think many of them really do want to see anything change because they've got it good. And those of us out here in middle America, we don't have it that good. Well, you know, Orson Swindoll, I have said that I really believe that we are in the third founding of America. Uh, You know, we had Washington and the Patriots, Lincoln and the Civil War. And who would have thunk it? But here we are, I think, in the third founding uh, with Donald Trump. When Kamala Harris was announcing her candidacy for president, she asked the question, who are we? And I actually think that's a really important question that each of us needs to ask ourselves. Are we Americans or are we something different? How would you answer that? Well, I think there's an awful lot of people in this country who are different or would like to see us be different. Uh, You know, the, the Constitution is perhaps one of the most remarkable instruments of government that the world has ever seen. Uh, it sort of uh, has self-correcting attributes to it. It keeps us in line. It keeps us doing the aspirational things of our founding fathers, and they were so right. I, I, sometimes as I read about them, and I do read a lot about them, I think that there was a benevolent hand that reached down and tapped them on the head and said, you're going to do some good work here. Mm-hmm. And and it served us so well for so long. And I, I mean that in a in a sense that, it's led us to great things, but it's also given us a means to adjust when we're on the wrong track. It gives us a method by which we can alter things to do the right thing and stay on that right track. And unfortunately, I think uh, I, I think I heard a politic or political figure in the in the Obama administration make the statement that she hoped that her faith would assist in changing America, and we could use the very Constitution of the United States to change things to be the way I want them to be. And uh, we're in a dangerous time right now because uh, propaganda is so prevalent in everything. Uh, The television networks are not the best way to get your information. I'm convinced of that, but I don't know of any other way because newspapers don't help very much. But we are seeing an enormous employment of propaganda like the likes of which I've never seen before. And I've read a lot about propaganda and certainly at a prisoner of war in a communist prison. I got to hear a lot of propaganda, mm-hmm. but I've read about the Germans and how they manipulated the population and certainly how the Russian communists manipulated the people of Russia. We're seeing that happen right here in our own country right now. And if we don't wake up, if we don't find a way to wake people up, to pay attention to what's happening, uh, we've got a very tough time ahead of us. Well, and Orson, I think here in Colorado, I mean, we certainly have seen legislation this last uh, legislative session that the veil is off on this freedom versus force question. 
And studies show that, that Americans really prefer freedom. If you really ask them, they prefer freedom. But this whole force thing, socialism, is kind of being wrapped up with a big red bow, and then it's being pushed forward, as you mentioned, in a, in a propaganda way through, uh, our, I think, our educational institutions, through the media, through politics. And so we are in a really interesting time here. Well, you know, the, the midnight legislation of our state legislature in Colorado is rather, uh, it's appalling to see what they have done and what they've tried to do. Uh, they're trying to get away with things that would alter the fabric of Colorado enormously and perhaps to a point where we couldn't return from it. And if people don't wake up and pay attention to that, I, I agree with you. I don't think the people of this country uh, would reject freedom for socialism or something of this nature, or broader government control. But unless they act that way by electing people who believe that way, uh, we're going to wind up there. We've just seen a good example. I have a theory, and purely uh, my own theory from my own thinking, but I think when Barack Obama made the promise that his election was going to be the fundamental change of America, the progressives and he and his his uh, minions certainly took to heart what he said. And they thought they were well on their way. In fact, I would agree they probably were well on their way. And all of a sudden, they didn't get to follow it up with uh, Hillary Clinton. They brought, I mean, uh, uh, Donald Trump stepped in, and uh, he has disrupted that whole thing. And I think what we're seeing with all of this ridiculous stuff that some of these presidential candidates on the Democrat side are talking about, they are dangerous ideas that will, you know, guaranteed to fail. And I think what we're seeing on that front, as well as here in Colorado and around the country, by progressive uh, ruling class, if you will, political leadership, we're seeing them, I think they recognize that Trump is the one that's going to fundamentally change, fundamentally change America. He's taking us back to those principles made this country well. And I think the progressives feel that they've got to pour the cold zone to try to pass as much of their agenda as they possibly can, no matter what it takes to do it. If it takes passing legislation in the dark of night and running it by the people of Colorado without them even knowing it, uh, that's what they'll do. And I think that's where we are right now. Well, and certainly as we look across the spectrum of all of these different issues, and I couldn't read all of them, but uh, there's a, a whole bunch of them. I had 22 that I picked out that I think are pretty egregious. But the question out there as we talk with people is really freedom versus force. Those are the words that seem to resonate. And, you know, I think about this all the time, Orson, freedom versus force. But I think those are the words that we need to be using with our, our neighbors and our colleagues. And an example of that just recently up in Erie, there is a community center. Now, you know, you can question whether or not you think that a, a, a municipality should be using tax dollars for a community center. But they did. So in a community center then I think that should be available to all and that they should be able to speak freely. They certainly have to act respectfully when they use the facility. But it shouldn't be up to the, t the town council or the town administrator to determine who can and cannot use that facility based on uh, an ideology, a message, or what they're going to do there. And so I, I posted something on Facebook and heard back from, from a, a friend who's not politically active, and she said, could this be true? 
have you fact-checked it? And I said, I have fact-checked it. I talked to the people mm-hmm. who were affected by this. This is dangerous. Well, it's dangerous, all right. And, and you know, I, it, the, the, one of the ways I think that progressive agendas get passed is playing on the tendency of too many of the people in this country to react to decision-making in the political process by using emotion rather than logic. If it feels good, that's good. If it doesn't feel good, that's bad. And when we start insisting that people be responsible for the actions, that's bad. That's logical. It's emotional to say we want people to all feel good. And that just replays itself constantly in our environment today. And uh, our political people and the pollsters, and I've been around, you know, politics and pollsters and all these people, and I must say I've come to have a strong dislike of political (laughs) consultants. But they're not crazy. They're smart people. They have learned, and especially today with our technology, that you can develop ways to impress people. And then you might be totally feeding them a lie, but you can convince them that you're right. And it's not an old process. You know, Hitler with Goebbels did the same thing. And uh, said, I think the expression was by Goebbels that if you tell a lie long enough, strong enough, it'll become the truth. And I think we have a lot of that very active today. And today with social media and rapid instant communications, uh, it can be even more effective if it's put to use. And it's an evil process because you're deceiving people to do their own selves in. Well, you know what? Let's continue this conversation. Orson Swindle, we're going to go to break. He is a decorated uh, Vietnam War prisoner of war, uh, former commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission, and also a former, former assistant secretary of commerce during the Reagan administration. This is a fascinating conversa- conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, May 17th through Thursday, May 23rd, features will include Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Avengers Endgame, and Captain Marvel. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com.
Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to be having this conversation with Orson Swindoll, a former Vietnam War prisoner of war, a former commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission, and also a former assistant secretary of commerce during the Reagan administration. Orson, you know, there's this saying that uh, people say, hey, I'm not into politics. I don't have time. But what I'm learning is politics is into you. What about that average, everyday, hardworking person out there? What, what would you say to them? Well, just like they have to take an interest in what their kids are being taught in school, they have to insist their kids study to get them smarter and more well-informed if they can be uh, drinking from the cup of reality and truth. Uh, and just as those two requirements on parents – and I should say teachers because they play an enormously big role here. Uh, people have got to get involved in the political process. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who said, man, you just amaze me. You stay on this stuff all the time and you like to talk about it, but I don't really like to hear about it. I don't want to be involved. If you aren't involved, you're going to be the ones going to pay the price. Those, those people who don't pay much attention to politics will wind up being ruled by, by tyrants if, at the worst and uh, incompetence. <laughs> at the best probably and people have just got to get involved and take an interest because it's your life it's your children and grandchildren's life and uh i've got three beautiful uh granddaughters and i worry about them and what the future is going to hold for them and we're the ones that are laying the groundwork for what that future will be and if we fail they're going to be the ones to suffer and that doesn't give me much uh pleasure well, and Orson, you can probably speak to this almost more than anybody else. This American idea, first of all, the discrediting of, of the founders, that they were just old, rich, white guys that had slaves. Yeah, they, you know, some of them were old, some of them were rich, and they were white, and yes, they did own slaves, but that's only a portion of the narrative. Uh, slavery was prevalent throughout the world at that time, and so it was absolutely astonishing that this this group of people put it all on the line, first of all, to stand up against Britain so that they could, could um, gain freedom for not them, liberty, not for them, just them, but for the next generation. And then this little country, within 70-some years, goes to war to settle this question whether or not one man can own another man. I mean, it's astonishing, this whole American idea. Well, you know, uh, again... Paying attention to history, and I read all the time, and I'm currently reading David McCulloch's new book, The Pioneers, which is fascinating. But one of the marvelous things in my mind that I've come to the conclusion of about our country is the Founding Fathers did a remarkable job of bringing it into being with a document that would be uh, literally be good for generations. And those men paid a dear price for what they did. And always, uh, liberty will always require people to pay a dear price. But one of the most marvelous aspects of the way of government that we have, that those founding fathers gave us, is that we have the capacity and literally a national willingness to correct the wrongs. You mentioned slavery. I come from the Deep South. I'm originally from Georgia. And certainly we had a deep history in slavery. But by God, we have changed all of that. We are different. Uh, 
And the tragedy of today is the mentality of so many people is that they think they can, by erasing history, change it. That's folly. They're not going to change it. We learn from every right or wrong that's committed throughout history that there are better ways to do things, and we, at least in this country, we make concentrated efforts to change things, to make them better, to rid ourselves of these things and and these bad experiences, but you can't change history. And I would contend, that having watched over the last couple of years the the demolition of of, uh, of uh, statues to people in our early uh, times in our, our country, uh, change the names of schools, streets, etc. That has to be the most immature, stupid thing I think our people could do, and that our people could condone because we are guaranteed to repeat the mistakes if we erase the reminders of what it was like when. And this this is insanity, and uh, to think that I sat in prison defending my country uh, mentally and physically every way I could, and to think people come along this stupid, and they want to alter it to be something that is totally wrong, is really a bit disconcerting to me, to say the least. But Orson Swindoll, um, the blood of the patriots pulses through Americans' veins. I really, I think we are at an important time. Uh, but we can't be lazy. You know, lazy is a word that we hardly ever use anymore. Uh, I think it's probably politically incorrect to call somebody lazy. But we have to actually admit that it takes work. You can't be lazy if we indeed are going to pass on something good to the next generation, which, again, that is an inherently American idea that we want to pass something better on to the next generation than what we got. Indeed. And, and that should always be our mission. And we, no less than generations of past, have that opportunity to keep on doing that. But we have got to get our heads on straight with these generations that are here today and start making corrections because uh, half the country seems to be off on the wrong track, and it is a deadly track. It will lead to devastation of our system uh, heartbreak in the lives of millions of people, and maybe even worse. So we really do need to get our heads on straight and start paying attention to the history of this country, why it has been as it has been, and why we've accomplished so much, and the good things that we have done for the rest of the world. These young people today that think we're a bad nation, it's just one point. We are the most generous nation that has ever existed on the face of the earth. We have done more sacrificing and have been more generous than anybody has. And for them to say we're bad, uh, they are sadly ignorant. And I think this is, to a great extent, a product of the education system they've been uh, uh, here listening to. Well, and I and that is a, a whole other subject about what our kids this forced. Public education, you know, I think that it started out as a noble idea, and then what has happened, many of these noble ideas are then hijacked uh, and and wrapped up in uh, power and force. And so there's things that we value, we listen to those words, and then I think you mentioned everyday people go, okay, that's being taken care of, that thing that I value, when in essence it's been taken over by these radical activists. It's been corrupted and being used against us now, and... We better wake up to it. Uh, I hate to be so uh, negative, but uh, 
Uh, I'm 82. I've seen a lot in my life, and uh, I, I want uh, the younger generations to have as much fun as I've had and, and accomplish uh, great things, and I guess I've accomplished one or two. But <laughs> we can do it going in the direction that we're going in right now, and it is tragic to see these young people in particular so turned off by our country, so feeble in their individual uh, strength to be fearful of it sounds like everything and yet i know from personal experience and contacts we have kids young people in college today who are brilliant they are i'm so impressed by them and they're going to do good things but not if we cut the underpinnings away from them they won't be able to do good things because they'll be overcome by the masses that don't want to work don't want to contribute just want to complain and have it their way and is some of the Democrats are inclined to say, we'll give it to you free. Well, and there's nothing for free. And this Democrat Party is not the Democrat Party of JFK. This is uh, something totally different. I tell a good friend of mine who's from New England, and, and she's a wonderful person. I said, and she, and she disagrees with me on virtually everything, politics. And I said, I want you to realize this Democrat Party, you're so... Uh, so uh, loyalty is not your mother's Democrat Party by any stretch of the imagination. John Kennedy wouldn't hold a place at the table in this crowd. No, he wouldn't. So, Orson Swindle, we're just about out of time. But since you served during the Reagan administration, do you have a a, a story? I mean, that was a time when we were headed in a, a wrong way and Reagan came back. Do you have a, a story that you'd like to share about President Reagan? The airline air controllers union and they were threatening to disrupt air traffic because they were going to go on strike and reagan very uncharacteristic of many politicians i've ever heard of i think uh, harry truman did something similar to this reagan fired them and he replaced them and of course all the inside the beltway crowd said he could never uh, replace these people well he did and we changed things we need leaders that will take decisive action, and it's and I would say let's restrict it to the most obvious of decisive actions that need to be done. And unfortunately, we have very few leaders that will do that. Everybody in Washington, D.C., almost without exception, is scared to death of President Trump because he does have the courage to do what's right, and he will flat shut it down if it needs to be shut down, and that's why I'm supportive of him. Well, and I'm surprised and, and very excited with what he is doing as well. We are seeing real leadership today, and uh, I think it gives us great hope for America. So, Orson Swindle, thank you so much for joining the AmeriChicks today, and I always end the show with a quote. And so I found a very important quote that it's yours, and that is regarding data. You know, data collection is a big, big subject today, and, and this was probably, what, 15 years ago or so at least, uh, you are quoted as saying, keeping your computer, personal information, and your children safe should be taken seriously. Not using common sense precautions like firewalls, virus protection, and parental controls is like leaving the door of your house wide open all night. And that is Orson Swindle, my guest. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.